Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, nerds, whatever the case may be. It is I, Jay, master of all things nerdy, and with me as always, my co-host, stalwart companion, and defender of the nerd faith, Christopher. We are secretly recording at the Citadel of Ming the Merciless, and that can only mean one thing, death! To me! No, dude, you're gonna get us in trouble. No, oh. um, you are just in time for the Justice Nerds Podcast. In a world where two nerds come together to talk about all things nerdy, Justice Nerds Podcast was born. We talk about comics, movies, and all things in between. Get ready to have your mind blown by the most amazing podcast ever recorded anywhere, ever. The Just Us Nerds Podcast. Aw, yeah. All right. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Well, we got to keep it down, apparently. Uh, uh, well, just on the ixnay on the F to ingmay stuff. Right, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so um, we, we got a bunch of stuff we've been reading. So uh, what, what you been reading? You... All right, man. I went to our uh, friends at Vieira Comics, and I kind of just strolled... Bring money. Bring money. I just kind of strolled along, seeing what was new and what was different. And I got from Dynamite Comics... Dynamite! Yeah, so it's not it's not the the standard two. Mm-hmm. It is one of the things we were talking about, and I told you we were going to talk about it in the last episode. It's another crossover. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, cool. And cool. this one pens together uh, the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger, okay, and. The Green Hornet. I was ready. How about that? But you know what's great though? They both have really good themes. They both have trumpets. It's like You could work those in really well. Okay, that's enough of my noise. So this is written by Michael Uslan. Okay. Its art is by Giovanni Timpano, and color is by Pete Pandias, I guess. Okay. And this came in multiple covers. Uh, I just got the standard cover in there where it kind of shows the realm of both worlds. I was a little surprised when you mentioned this to me because those, with as much as I love crossovers, um, this this comic book, you're crossing over two characters that don't exist in the right. same timeline. Right, you would think because... Um, time period. Right, you would think because the Lone Ranger was like the 1800s, yeah. whereas uh, the old Green West. Hornet is the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this actually takes place in 1936. Okay. So it's right before World War II. Okay. Um, so what's kind of funny, right off the bat, they, they're paying homage because... Wait, did you say 1936? 1936, so okay. it was yeah, yeah, right, yeah, just, just little, about... A little before, okay. Um, but... What's funny is like it starts off and kids are getting out of school and people pass by and says ten minutes or ten minutes men today will open with Rosini's William Tell overture so right there they kind of play the joke little little nod to uh, Lone Ranger and it takes the kids and the kids are running over to the police city stables and there's a man who works there an older gentleman he's wearing a blue vest and a white hat all right what do you think the Lone Ranger did after he retired. He runs the stables for the uh, local police department. Shovels up horse poop. That's pretty much it. I would have hoped for something a little more grand and glorious for... Right. Now... But wait, how can... He can't be the Lone Ranger because it's 1936. I mean, again, he's we said... He's ancient. 
He's ancient. He's 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 really 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 old. Um, but comes to find out, no, the thing is, is this world doesn't have a green hornet yet. All right. Okay. And you find out that uh, the Lone Ranger is actually a great uncle to Britt Reed. Who, for our, our listeners, listeners who aren't familiar... Is the Green Hornet. Okay, okay. Um, so he's related to the Green Hornet. Yes, or his some, name is John Reed. Who will become... Green Hornet. The Green Hornet, okay. Basically, if you're not familiar with the Lone Ranger story... Um, Basically, John came out to the came out to the West to come with his brother. Right. His brother was a Texas Ranger. Okay, they were going after a villain known as Butch Cavendish. It was the Butch Cavendish gang. It was the, the you know stagecoach robberies and all that kind of stuff. Okay, when they arrived, Butch Cavendish ambushed them. What he thought he killed every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Tonto actually saves John. John was alive and he okay. saved him. But he says, they think you're dead, so therefore, he took, um, he took his brother's vest Mm -hmm. and cut the mask out of his vest, and he gave him the mask to wear. Alright, okay. So, but it comes to find out that the brother that was murdered, Mm -hmm. bear with me, is Britt Reed's grandfather. Okay. Which then makes the Lone Ranger the uncle, the great uncle, great uncle to the man who will become the Green Hornet. Correct. So, like I said, Britt has not yet become. Um, they they kind of go back into the story about how his dad, um, Britt Reed's dad, got to go where he was buried, and you know they end up having a little scuffle with Butch Cavendish, and they end up He's catching. He's still alive. Yeah. And they end up catching uh, Butch Cavendish. This is this is when his dad was like twenty years old. Okay, all right. So this is before even Brett was even thought of. All right. So, um, as it kind of goes to a present day, all of a sudden, boom, we're at the Daily Sentinel. And what's the Daily Sentinel? The Daily Sentinel is it sounds like the, a newspaper. It is. It is okay. the newspaper that uh, Britt Reed's father runs. Okay. Um. So, he wants Brett to sit down with John. John wants him to become something better, something more for himself. John realizes that this world needs a hero. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that Brett could be the guy for the job. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at just the the plot summary for the Lone Ranger movie. And so, John Reed becomes the Lone Ranger in 1869. So, So, he's like... Really, really old. Right. Now, what's kind of neat is actually somebody shows up to the Daily Sentinel Mm -hmm. trying to recruit the Lone Ranger. Okay. And do we all want to know who it is? I I do. An actual famous uh, detective. No. Dick Tracy? No. Oh, damn it. Elliot Ness. Oh, okay. Elliot Ness. Elliot Ness comes to recruit the Lone Ranger... John Reed to help him against organized crime or against, you know, uh, the other factious powers that, that are happening. Okay, all right. But he says, I'm too old. I can't do it. You know. I'm 100 years old. I'm 150 years old. What do you want from me? My prostate. It's It doesn't work no more. But what he tells John is he says, well, I'm having trouble locally with a new gang that's around. And he goes, well, who is it? 
He says, the Cavendish gang, have you ever heard of them? Turns to find out that Butch Cavendish and his gang are still alive. Cavendish gang, know all about him. So, um, as he talks to Brett and he tells him, you know, we need a hero. We need someone to uh, kind of stand up. And he looks at Brett and he goes, well, why aren't you doing anything? And he's... Why aren't you doing anything, and, Brett? Well, what's kind of funny is throughout the comic, you know, like I said, the, the Rangers kind of seeing the way the world's demising and these, like... Mussolini, all these people kind of taking over, these evil people taking right. over, and somebody needs to do something. Rise of fascism. Well, he says it makes him as mad as a hornet. Ah, he says, I'm as uh, mad as a hornet. I'm as mad as a hornet, but, and I'm not going to take it anymore. You know, and he says, um, he says, it can't be as bad as you make it out to be, Mr. Ness, talking about the world and what's coming on. And the Lone Ranger says, still the greenhorn, the nephew of mine. Ah, so we're going to take the greenhorn... Right. And the mad as a hornet. Right. So and it, we're going to marry these two. So in the end... They're going to have a beautiful baby. As it's coming, he says, Like you always say, Uncle, I'm as mad as a hornet, and I'm not going to take this anymore. He says, uh, My grandfather's vest, the one you cut your mask from, does it come in green? So we're going to see where it goes. It seems to me that the green hornet is going to go overseas and have a World War II adventure. That's creative, the way that they weave the two characters together right. like that in sort of a legacy fashion. This, this to me, honestly, this was one I wasn't expecting, but when I saw it, I, I honestly, I think this is probably going to be my best series of the year. I think it's going to be my favorite series for the year. Well, it's combining two characters that I know are very close to yes. your heart, both yes. the Lone Ranger and, and, and the Green, Green Hornet. Hornet. And what's cool for me is the image that they've already shown is going to be the early, they, they've already done Green Hornet in the 30s. Mm-hmm. The, the original Green Hornet was done during the serials, and he actually had just this green mask covering over his whole face, and then he had the light green Hornet over it. So we're already going to get that, and I'm just kind of curious to see where it comes from, and him and Kato. He, and Kato, obviously, is already with him, already works with him. So this is... What, now, what does the character of Brit do at this point? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, he's for work. He's yeah, for work. I mean, he's not nothing. a nothing. He's nothing. Okay, he's a playboy. He's a playboy. Trust, trust fund baby. Basically, he lives off his dad's money. All right. So um, I'm looking okay. forward to it. So you like this? I do. You like this? What? I do. I paid uh, 3.99 actually. So right. a little bit higher for I want to say about a 60 page. Bought comic, it at so. our friends at Vieira Comics. That's right. All right. Bring money. Excellent. Um. Good. Anything more you want to say about that? Uh, I, I would highly suggest it. If, if you're interested in... It's a period piece, but then also it's legacy piece, like you said. So, I I love it. Okay, good. I'm glad when we get the opportunity to talk about stuff that's not strictly just Marvel or DC. There are yeah. other comic book companies out there. And, uh, and, and also, if you get kind of burnt out on the superhero thing, it's kind of nice to be able to go to, like, your IDWs or your Dynamites. Yep. And, and, and see, they've also done the other series. Um, like I told you, they did the Rocketeer series. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was, oh, I'm switching from one to the other. These are other characters that were not as mainstream, and but yet are still interesting. They're really good stories to read. Okay. All right, well, good. What about uh, you, man? Well, uh, I, you know, before we get to the main piece of what we're going to talk about, I, I was going to talk a little about Civil War Two, which I've been reading. I don't, have you heard anything about that, or what, what's your I... what's your opinion about that? Just this, the idea of doing a Civil War Two. They're running out of ideas. Y yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I just we did it already, and 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 I know that they've already killed off a couple people. You know, we're going to be talking spoilers, so if you haven't read Civil War Two and you want to, you may want to skip ahead. So I've, like I said, I read like the first couple two issues, and I was like, eh. Well, there's only 
there's only three. There's only I think there's three or four. Yeah, but I've only read two, and I was like, all right, it, it just it didn't pique my interest. Okay. But for me, I feel that Marvel. I think be, they had to keep up with the rebirth. Mm-hmm. And the way that Rebirth is going, people are always buying You're all the Rebirth. DC's, DC's, DC's Rebirth. Rebirth. And I'll be honest with you. I read Aquaman number one on your comicsology. Mm-hmm. However, I bought it at the comic book store. You liked it that much. Just to have it. Mm-hmm. And I think they went, how are we going to keep up? What are we going to do? You know what made a lot of money? What? Civil War. Oh, that's a good idea. And now instead of Captain America versus Iron Man, it's Captain Marvel. Versus Iron Man. So if you're not familiar with uh, Civil War II, the, the concept of it is that we have a mutant who has appeared that possesses the power to predict catastrophes before they occur. Uh, that would have been useful. Yeah, and and the conflict that arises from this is you have two schools of thought. If, if you can predict the future, uh, should you not then prevent tragedies from happening immediately uh sort of in like a, did you ever see the tom cruise movie it was a spielberg minority tom cruise, report minority report kind yeah. of like that where they, they did a tv show too there's did they <clears throat> okay well it's the same premise as this you have this uh, mutant that's able to predict crimes or tragedies before they happen tony stark is taking the uh the argument uh that we don't know for sure that this mutant's predictions are things that will necessarily come true. And if you are just acting on what this person says... Uh, we obviously can't judge jury in anything of someone who, that they were going to do. You yeah, don't know. yeah. It, it basically, yeah. should you should you be judge, jury, and executioner before a crime is even committed? committed. Yeah. I've heard people try to make a parallel between what's happening in this story and racial profiling. I thought... It, I don't see it as as much. I mean, this is someone who literally can see things as they happen, which, uh, but before they happen, excuse me, which I see as a, see as a little different from from racial profiling. But I, I've heard. People I think that's make people that reaching. Argument. That's people reaching to reach. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit of a reach, but it does provoke an interesting moral question that if we somehow had foreknowledge that a bad thing may happen. Um, do we wait until it happens or do we strike first? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where where do you draw the line? Between, and, and do you, you know, the great line from Captain America in Civil War, uh, I think it was, no, no, not Civil War, Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Every time you try to stop a war before it starts, people end up dying. Yeah. So it, it's, it's an interesting concept. So Captain Marvel is taking the perspective that if we have knowledge that something bad is going to happen... Uh, that we are obligated to do something to try to stop it. Um, and you know what's kind of funny is Tony's kind of flip-flopped. Like, he's kind of on the opposite side, whereas, like, on Civil War, the first he was one. all about the government, and we need to do this, and we need to do this, and we need to do this. Yeah, yeah, And now yeah. he's like, whoa, man, no, we can't do that. And It now, is a bit of a flip-flop, isn't it? You know, and then also, do you notice it's Captain versus Captain again? No, it's not Captain versus What I'm saying is... It's always Tony versus a captain. Oh, it's Captain. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's always it's always Tony versus. That's that's true. Who's next, um, Captain Britain? Yeah, per, perhaps that'll be for Civil War three. But what do you think about this? This was very. You read issue two. So what do you, one of the most controversial things so far that's come out of this event is we had a really big death. Yeah, absolutely. We had death of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. What, what yeah. Do you, what do you think about that? I mean, comic he, book deaths. I, he'll be back, but <laughs> they'll they'll find a way to infuse the body with more radiation and he'll appear yeah yeah uh but it's a ballsy move on their part but it, 
if they keep it that way, but... Well, why don't you describe on, on kind of how that kind of happened? So the mutant has one of these, um, you know... Uh, visions. What do, you, what do you call it? Yeah, visions, uh, premonitions, if you will, that the, the Hulk is going to kill all the Avengers. So uh, Bruce Banner at this point hasn't had an event in hasn't like had over an a episode. year. Hasn't had an episode of Hulking out in over a year. And so all of the Avengers converge on, on where he is, and there is sort of their words are, are shared, you know, harsh words yeah. are shared. And mid-sentence, Bruce Banner is dropped by an arrow through the head by none other than co-Avenger Hawkeye. And then we find out during the trial of Hawkeye that he was asked by Bruce Banner in the event that he ever became the Hulk to and got him. out of control to, to kill him. But what is sort of up for debate is that, dude, he wasn't even... He was in mid-talk! He was in mid-sentence! He yeah, was but, orating! But you know what, though? With with the way of looking at like Clint's wave is that's the only way I, he could have killed him. That's the only way. Because if he was the Hulk... But here's the other thing, too. Bruce Banner tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. He shot himself in the mouth with a gun. Now we're talking about in the movies well, now. But still, it's all kind of the same folklore. What happened? What did he say? He said the other guy spit the it out. The big guy didn't like it the and big, spit the bullet and out. Spit the bullet out. So wouldn't you have think... This was an arrow, though, and maybe I've, I've read a little more into the, the comic. This was an arrow that designed by Bruce Banner, oh, wow. specifically yeah. intended to be able to, to kill him. So, you know, it, it's a ballsy move to kill one of your characters like Especially the Hulk. Especially a big one, yeah. But, but unfortunately like you say he'll be back in a year and it why just, is an it, iron man dying it just doesn't mean anything well i wonder if he is because we're having that we're having uh what's her name uh riri yeah riri the, johnson the mit student yeah she's gonna take over being iron man so i don't know if he's gonna die at the end of this or, or he or might not. he might just give up maybe he might want to be you know just take his money and go live on an island I, I think I like this story a little bit better than you do. I, I find the yeah. I find the idea interesting that if you had the ability to predict catastrophes before they occurred, then you know would you be obligated to do something about it? And and where do you draw the line? Right. Like it's one thing if you know that an earthquake is going to happen in San Diego tomorrow. Nothing well, you can do with it, an earthquake. Well, it's you just can evacuate people prepared. Yeah, you can evacuate people as opposed to. I think that this dude in a year from now is going to murder someone else what do you do do you lock them up now well do you yeah and then also you know think about it too is you don't know what this person's initial motives are because what if they're kind of a vengeful bitch you know and they're like oh take my parking spot will you that man will commit murder uh, of his mother <laughs> in a year. Well, I don't think the character that they have you doing the premonitions, I don't think he's vengeful. I, I, you I don't, don't know I yet. I don't think so. I think Marvel's trying to examine like a, a kind of a, a moral question, um, kind of like what they were doing with Civil War One. But I, I, I think they, they, Marvel in in my experience is really good at setting up these really great ethical questions, but they don't always quite deliver on the. Payoff. They don't give the answer. They don't give the answer, and the like even like Civil War I thought was a great premise, the comic book. Yeah. I thought the ending was really weak. It just it sort of just ended yeah. with Captain America just saying. Well, you know what? Uh, maybe on second thought, like beating the shit out of each other isn't the answer to the solution, and I need to do a nonviolent protest. Martha. Yeah, Martha. Yeah, it, <laughs> it sort of had a Martha ending. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, you've heard Chris's take. You've heard my take on it. If you've read Civil War II, I'd be interested to hear what your opinion is. So, email us at uh, justicenerdspc 
at gmail.com. Send us a message on Facebook. Send us a message on SoundCloud. um, Send us a message on YouTube. Okay? Um, so, all right, now on, on to the main event. Uh, this we is had talked about this. This is a couple episodes ago. We had y- talked about we yeah. were going to do a partial, pretty yeah. much we were going to say an entire show, but yeah, yeah. there was too much going on lately that, you know, we really there, haven't We just had, had a lot to talk about. Uh, and this is uh, Dark Knight, uh, a true Batman story. So th- this is a graphic novel that, that came out last month. Yeah. And uh, it's a Vertigo. It's under the Vertigo label. So, Which is kind of odd. You would think that they would uh, give it a full DC, but, you know. It's because it doesn't take place in the DC universe. continuity. But even it's, still, you know, you would think it, that... It is, well, it, Batman is used more as an idea, as a concept No, here. and like I said, but, yeah, and we're talking about, of course, uh, The Dark Knight. A true Batman story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this is actually told by somebody who we all know in the Batman world. This this guy knows his Batman. He uh, does, uh, next to Bruce Tim. Literally, I'd say him and Bruce Tim are just right there. And that person we're speaking of, and of course, is the writer, is Mr. Paul Dini. And look at this guy's credits. This guy is responsible for Batman the Animated Series. He's responsible for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. He did Superman episodes of Superman the Animated Series. He's done Batman Beyond. He's written the Batman Beyond Return of Joker movie. He's written for episodes of Justice League. He's written for the video game Batman Arkham Asylum. He's written a couple episodes for Batman the Brave and the Bold. I mean, this this guy is one of the godfathers. Did he win of, Emmys on them? He has. He's he's won he won five daytime Emmy awards for his work on all of these shows. So I mean, the the guy is a giant in this field and and he knows his batman and the artist on this is eduardo riso and i i thought the artwork to it was very close to even the animated style of the you know oh, like the, the bruce tim style really? of it huh. i i found that kind of um the the watermarks and stuff like that were kind of washed mm-hmm. and i i thought it was very stylized to kind of almost resemble it, it's interesting yeah um and and edward riso i i I'm ashamed to say, but I mean, prior to to this book, I really wasn't very familiar with him. But in in looking him up, he's he's uh, written um, books that have been um, you know won him four Eisner awards. Um, did work on a book called uh, Hundred Bullets with Brian Azzarello. That was a good movie, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, they they are Hundred Bullets? It was either a movie or they, there was a premise to do the movie. It's a very good book because I've read it. Oh, okay. All right. No, I, have, I, I, I know it. 100 Bullets. He, uh, Edward Rizzo is also, uh, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, he's also uh, done artwork for The Spirit, um, done some work over at Marvel uh, on a Wolverine book, Logan, um, Flashpoint, uh, Batman uh, Night of Vengeance, and also Batman Scar. So uh, we... So we have some beautiful artwork, but we, we really have uh, Paul it's, Dini it's telling a us a sad story. It, it's a very personal story. Yes, it, it's it's a very. This human is a story, story that happened to him, and this is this is something that a uh, part of his life that he actually had to kind of get over. And it's really the story of how Batman saved him. Yeah, and changed his life, and which is so incredible because in you know I've had that moment that we see in the book so so Paul Dini sort of gives us his version of himself in comic book form and illustrating how kind of in his daily life he imagines uh these cartoon and comic book characters that he spent so much of his life with interacting with the world around him sort and, of kind of a la a la Roger Rabbit kind yeah, of Yeah kind of like as a kid you know he said that these 
superheroes were his friends. He didn't have many friends growing up. So I, I think for many of us who, who have maybe grown up, you know, uh, you know, loving comic books and kind of all things nerdy that, you know, we, we have had those moments where we felt lonely and, and those, and, and these characters do kind of be, they do become friends with us. I yeah. mean, with as much as I bitch about, you know, Spider-Man one more day and all that crap that, that they did, I stayed with the character because I have, you love Spider-Man. I have an emotional attachment to the yes. character. It sounds like the most ridiculous thing to say, but like this character, it, I want to know what's happening to him so so we see this in in, in this comic strip in, so in basically comic book. like i said he's he's growing up and even his dad kind of you know is like he doesn't really tell him you know not to pursue his dreams however he he kind of tells him that he's kind of wasting his life on cartoons well, i think he gives the impression that maybe he would have liked to see him do more do, do, do something more than than that right. yeah, yeah. And, and what's cool is they actually pay homage you know like those are the fleischman supermen you know and the fleischer sorry the, the, he's uh he's he's what chris is pointing to is there's a panel in the comic where it it shows uh paul, paul dini kind of getting inspired to do batman the animated series and he's in a theater looking at the the, the max fleischer uh supermen yes. yeah um yeah and and that was i mean that's true to life i mean this story is it, it's completely, I mean, I can't say completely, I mean, it's meant to be true right. to life. You know what I love, too, is, like, he gets his inspirations, and one of them that he, he pulls from, he does the Adam West, that, that is the, they literally show the poster from the Batman movie. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. the legitimate poster. Sure. So anyway, sure. so as he grows up, it kind of, you know, obviously claim to fame, starts doing his Batman stuff, but on one I guess you can kind of call it a faithful night. Some, yeah. Something happens. Yeah, 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 definitely. In, uh, on, on one night in 1993, Paul was mugged while he was, he was walking back to his car after a date. He was beaten within an inch of his life. Uh, and I, I'm just trying to imagine going through that experience, and now he's to a point where he's able to talk about it in this way. Yes. Th this is a very personal story. I can't emphasize how personal this is because even... You know, I feel like uh, he's he's revealing things about himself, not just about the attack, but sort of the the self loathing that that he had. It's so sad to think that here's a guy, the world who, loves him. the The world loves him. The world loves his creation. Yet he can't be happy with himself. No. And what I like is, I think we've all kind of had this where he starts hearing, not hearing, but like parts of his mind start like one half of them is telling him, you need to get up. You need to start doing something. Because he actually started to become, you know, agoraphobic. He didn't want to leave his house. He did not want to go out. He didn't want to participate in the world. And... You're talking about after the mugging. After the mugging. Mm -hmm. And there's part of this world, you know, there's part of his head saying, you need to get up. We need to get out. You need to go do something. You need to move. And who does he envision that as? It's Batman. It's ba ba Batman represents the idea of not letting tragedy get you down. Right. Taking Having a bad day, doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other side is that, don't worry, just stay inside. You know, it's really dangerous out there. You know, you could get hurt again. You really might not want to leave. And that is embodied by the Joker. And, and all of the self-destructive elements, he, he manages to personify them 
the Joker's one, all of the Batman's yes. rogue gallery, except for Harley Quinn. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, there, there's other things, too. There were parts of it that, you know, and then we'll get to the good and the bad and whatever. Um, yeah, I, I did see that with, with the Harley Quinn. But one thing about it that I love is, like, he's going through his life. He's on a dinner date with this girl. And you kind of see his relationship where he really, really likes this girl. She wants nothing to do with him. She's using him as a stepping stone. Yeah. Because she yeah. wants... Because he knows Steven Spielberg, so she wants him to introduce her. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe be Kate, the next Kate Capshaw. I don't know. But <laughs> the thing is, is, you know, and he's he's sitting in dinner, and he's like, well, I don't know what to do. And you hear him, he goes, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to stand up. And he does this whole monologue, and it's through the eyes of Bruce it's Wayne. Bruce, Bruce Wayne. And how yeah. Bruce Wayne would have looked, and he goes all right, doll, listen, you know, and he kind of tells her off. Like, he's like, no, this, this isn't, you know, we, we all kind of imagine, I think in our alter egos, like yeah. how we would have rather handled a situation differently. Uh, even, even a little bit after the, the mugging happens, uh, in, in the comic book, he sort of through, through the eyes of Batman is kind of criticizing himself. Well, you could have done this differently. You, you could have crossed the street. Why didn't you go and bang on the door? Why didn't you, you know, why didn't whatever. you fight back? Yeah. Um, all it, it's, it's one of the most creative uses of the Batman characters I've seen in a really long time. Now, one of the things that I actually liked and I wanted to point out, I know we're not doing the good and the bad yet, but one of the things that I like to point out, you kind of go through different genre of artists. Like, like I told you, you start to see kind of this shadowy, see, like his depiction kind of reminds me, that's kind of a Paul Dini type, you know, cause look at the round, everything like that. And then we go through, everything's kind of like in a fog, you notice that where it's oh, when, all when it's... color tinted and monochromatic and yeah, yeah. Well, the, the imaginary, the imaginary characters it's are kind of rendered in more of a, a dull color palette. Now yeah. watch. Now, as he starts to talk about the mugging. It turns into oh. more of like a Frank Miller. You're right. You're that right. Dark, I had, gritty, I had, graphic. I hadn't noticed that until you pointed that out. But that's that's very clever. Isn't that neat? It, it's amazing too. How, in, as long as we're talking about the mugging scene, the how he captures the brutality. Uh, I, just reading that, I just remember I, I got goosebumps reading that because it is just. So just the the brutality of that moment, uh, it looks like I I can only imagine because I've never been through anything as horrible. Hopefully, never will. Um, but I, I just I feel as though he really captured that that moment. And again, it's just hats off to the man for sharing something so personal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then the police are trying, but he couldn't get a description. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know anything about them. So there isn't a whole lot they can kind of do. And he feels that. The justice system's kind of failed him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, because he said he said something horrible to him, and they basically tell him, "Sorry, you know, it's probably not." And, and I've heard uh, Paul talk about this uh, on interviews before, and he he says that that what was in the comic was sort of true to life. What happened? He he kind of felt as though the police not were insensitive, but rather they they see this is so commonplace. For them, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's like you know, I'm sorry. You know, this is just the reality of the funny. world we live in. Actually, I'm going to read a part of the panel. Um, the cop says to him, "He says uh, you said you're a cartoonist," and he responds, "He goes, yeah. Well, mainly I write cartoon shows." And the guy goes, "Well, which one?" And he goes, "Batman." And he goes, "I guess you could have used him tonight." 
and they all kind of laugh and he goes yeah i sure could batman would have done the god or batman would have uh tested the goddamn receipt because there was a receipt he had a receipt that was in his pocket yeah. that the the crooks pulled out and he asked them to take prints off it and they said no that's okay um uh yeah yeah and then he and then there's a scene that follows that where he sort of imagines batman sort of coming to the rescue yeah and to, what he would have done and how he could have accepted it that and, that, that fan sort of that power fantasy of you know in you know the justice sort of being uh you know meted out uh um, how batman would have stopped him yeah and, you know jumping yeah. through the windshield and yanking him out and you know Th- this event you get from reading it this this mugging that he went through really provokes fits. sort of a, a crisis of faith for him because yeah. he's writing these tales about this uh, keeping, about this avenging keeping, angel yeah. who basically stops bad guys defends the innocent and, and at this time he wasn't there he was he wasn't there but the amazing thing about that chris is so he he says for a while no I want to you know it's it's a crock it's you know Batman's a you know it's 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 a fairy tale he, just, he, he doesn't talk about leaving he's like I don't want to do this anymore but then the amazing thing happens is Batman is what ultimately saves him from himself yeah. saves him from his own despair and that is what I think this story tells so I, I'm not doing it justice I'm not going to do it justice no. because I'm not Paul Dini so I can only tell you that you need to read this book. Because this is one of the best Batman stories I've read in a really right, long time. So we've got a lot of good. What would you say would be the bad? I, I don't know that I can say anything bad about this. I can't say that it's bad, but there would have been something I would like to have seen more. Okay. For me, I didn't see more of the Joker as the, you might want to stay home. You might want to... The Joker's kind of that odd obsessive. So for me, I could have seen that more of like a Jonathan Crane, where it's fear telling him, hey, look, it's dangerous outside. You remember what just happened. You don't want that to happen to you again. I kind of would have rather have seen that. But me being, you know, I would have liked to have seen more of the rogues gallery kind of portraying the different emotions. Mm -hmm. Like, I like it because after he was beaten, he looks in the mirror and he sees half of his face and it's literally just beaten to a pulp mm-hmm. and he sees Two-Face looking back at him and it's like, what are you looking at? You know, and he has to kind of deal with that. Yeah, but yeah. And Toothface... Toothface. Toothface. That's a different character. Two-Face sort of represents his own self-loathing, kind of telling Paul, you know, saying... I don't... Let me... I'm sorry, I'm getting... I'm going all over the place. But um, you had this happen to you because you're really a... A, a bad person deep right. down inside right. and now and the other guy's telling the stars him, hey, will, will shut show your you. mouth you know and what did you think about the scene with the emmy do you remember what he does with the emmy i think he cuts himself yeah he does with with the emmy yeah. before any of this happened again i thought that was incredibly i mean just honest for him to to tell that to show what he how much he hated yeah. himself and this was before even the mugging yeah. Th- this was a man you, you get a sense that the that this is a guy that's been wrestling with some demons for a while yeah. as far as his own self-esteem, his own sense of self-worth. Oh, yeah, and even still, like, when he's walking in the street, there's a reason why he was mugged. He looked like a victim. You know, it's not it's the number one thing. But for me, like I said, I would have liked to have seen him, you know, all of a sudden be cold and malice and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and have, you know, Victor Free standing behind him telling him, good, shut out the emotion, 
go on. Sure. You don't need this. Sure. This world sure. doesn't need you. You know, but me being me, I just would have rather have seen more. You would of the have villain. told the story that way. You would have used that, the characters I, that way. I would have used them a little bit more, but like I said, it's his story. It was a fantastic story. But that's that's just my only little tweak. Anything there there's nothing else that I can say. There was no bad to this. You know, I, I've you know how I'm big on the whole digital kick. Oh and yeah. How I get, but but this is one of those graphic novels that I think I may have to go out and buy and have it. Try to find a special hard edition copy. or something. Yeah, and, it's yeah. just the artwork is so good. The story, it, it's such a great story of redemption. Uh, I would I would recommend it to you know, anyone that even even someone who's maybe dealing with a personal crisis, yeah. anyone who's dealing with. Uh, you know, they've had something horrible happen to them, and they feel like they just want to, you know, crawl into bed and never come out again. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a great story of of a man kind of re uh, redefining his importance in the world. And I think what what best sums it up is that scene toward the end of the book where he's talking with you. Remember, he's talking with the man in the record store, mm-hmm. and the man in the record store asks him, "So, what do you, what do you do for a living?" Yeah. And he says, "Oh, I, I draw cartoons. Which ones? Oh, Tiny Toons." And the man says, "Oh." You know, my wife has cancer, yeah. and it's the only Tiny Toons is the only thing that makes her laugh. It's, it's the, the only thing, thing makes that her makes smile. her smile. And you know, Paul was able to realize in that moment the contribution that what he does for the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and so I, I'm sure in all all of us in one way or another don't. I mean, we all may be guilty of sometimes not recognizing the contribution that we make to the world, and. And so this, this is a really great tale of, of someone kind of discovering their, their worth. And, and, and one thing with this, this could have been just a regular novel. This could have been. But I love that he took the style and goes, you know what? I am known for doing like graphic novel style. Yeah. This is how I want to tell my story. Yeah. yeah. This is the, the type that I want to tell. I want people to see it through my eyes. And this is the perfect way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, so I agree. It's called Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. You can find it. It's available on Comixology for download. But I would recommend you go out and buy a hard go copy. Go spend the money. This is one of those things that you, you need to, to own in yeah. hard copy. So, all right. Um, all right. So we talked about comic books. We got uh, some movie talk to, to discuss. We there, do. We, we do. We had some trailers come out at Thank San Diego Comic-Con. Thank God Comic-Con, for Comic-Con, right? man. Right? San Diego Comic-Con. So um, we got... Three that I wanted to discuss: uh, Justice League, Wonder Woman, and Kong Skull Island. So why don't we start with Kong, and then we'll go into DC. Uh, all right, all right. So uh, you you hadn't seen this? We just no, watched it a I few just moments watched ago. It and what are your thoughts? I'm excited to see it. Um, this is obviously going to be a different telling. This is not going to be like you said the. You know, climbing the uh, Empire State Building. I don't and think so. Swatting down biplanes. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Think I think so. they did that with Peter Jackson's. You know, it was already. Which is a very good movie, and I, I feel like a character for like like King Kong. We've yeah. seen that story told now already, twice, three times. Well, actually, yep. Yeah, but they're kind of setting up. Well, yeah, the eighty. We don't count the eighties one. Yeah, we can count the eighties one with oh, Jessica that, Lange. That Come was on, terrible. Rick Baker in a monkey suit. Come Ugh. on. But this is going to be. Kind of their own open world, correct? Oh, oh, like what I mean by expanded that, universe, kind yeah. of like the Marvel universe, yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, 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 cinematic universe, yeah, absolutely, because this is happening in the same universe as Godzilla. Ah, so we're set, we're it's going to be set up for a King Kong versus Godzilla movie. I, I think it's already on their their calendar. And what I think is funny is you notice each movie. What I'm really excited to see. So in in King Kong. We find out who's the chopper pilot, the main chopper pilot. 
Is it uh, Sam Jackson? It's Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Do you know what I want to hear? Oh, man, they're going to be a lizard and a monkey going to fight each other. And then you're going to see, you know. Um, I thought he was going to complain about, you know, motherfucking apes no, 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 no. on his motherfucking plane. But then Ken Watanabe is going to look at him and go, let them fight. Let them fight. I mean, <laughs> just those two together. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, John Goodman is in it. John Thank Goodman. God for John Goodman, man. He looks great. He... He looks kind of like the diabolical guy who's behind bringing Kong. He's he's like he's the evil he's the evil mastermind that wants to get Kong and put him in a, and in he a Broadway play, show. And <laughs> he can play a good bad guy because uh, he played a bad guy in um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he played he, the he Cyclops. Was, he was he was really good in that. Did you notice? Did you notice um, Loki? Mm. Did you notice Loki in this? What I did, did, about I this? did see Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston playing playing. With he, blonde hair. And he might be a good guy. Who knew? And uh, he might be a good guy. And then we had Brie Larson yeah. also in this. So uh, you, you got some great actors in this. And we were, I'm excited And for we were it. talking, you know, when I when I first started watching this, I, I had asked, you know, when this takes place. And you were like, oh, well, I think it takes place now. It looks like it takes place more towards the Vietnam era, like the 60s, That's late 60s, early 70s. Because, you know, the weapons and, and everything like that. Um so I'm kind of curious to see where, where this is going to go or, or what made them want to go to this island. So they don't really give you much of a plot. The, the music is kind of haunting. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought the music, the, it's it's a beautifully cut trailer. Yep. Got me excited to see it. It's a big giant ape. He, yeah, we should say, yeah, you can tell from the trailer this King Kong towers over huge. any that have come huge. before him. So yeah. I think it's going to be good, but we need I need to see more to make a total judgment. All right. Okay. Wonder um, Woman. What what do you think about the Wonder Woman trailer? Basically, it's going. It looks fun. I did not think that this movie was going to be interesting. Okay. I was like, all right, I'm going to see some chick run around in her skivvies, you know. And I'm like, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot is is gorgeous. So I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'll watch it. <laughs> that was it. They had you at Gal Gadot. That was pretty much it. But actually watching this movie, I'm like. Holy shit, there's substance to this. This looks like it could be the Captain America First Avenger of, yeah, it, uh, for DC. It actually takes it's gonna take place in World War One. Yeah. So yeah. and you get to see her go in the trenches and, and you know what Those I'm, are some epic scenes. Yeah, and and I think that they're gonna pay homage. You know what I really hope they do? What's the first cover of Wonder Woman? It's her on the white horse and she's jumping through Nazis. Right? right? It's it's her jumping over the, you know, um, the trenches and everything. So I'm kind of hoping we see a little bit of that. But did you also notice little little nuances? Um, the 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 chemistry between her and Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah. I I think that it, they're just really good with each other. Mm-hmm. And you know he's not the leading action role. However, he's going to be able to kind of handle his own. So um, we don't really know if there's a villain in this. We don't. You know, it didn't well, really get I, much. I think. Um... Oh man, what's his name? He played uh, Striker in uh, X Men or Danny Houston. Yeah, Danny Houston, I think, is going to be the the villain in this. Uh, it it looks good. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks you know, really good. Little nuances. You know what I thought was nice? What her lasso? Oh yeah, the lasso glows. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, it looks magic. The fight scenes look pretty epic. I, I like that. I'm excited. Cool, cool, excellent. Well. Um, nah, all right, so uh, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming you're saving saving best for last, yeah. right? Okay, so even you say best. Ju- Justice League. Uh, this is a good looking trailer. I mean, this was a re- the Justice League trailer was. This is beautiful. Pretty pretty slick. I am going to reserve judgment for the movie 
because I'm not gonna go. Yeah, I'm not gonna go based upon this one trailer. We still have Zack Snyder directing it, uh, and I'm sorry, Zack. I, I, you're a fellow geek, and I support you, but I don't. You haven't earned my trust yet. After Batman v Superman, I, you, you are, you are excellent at setting a, a scene. You are, you're great at showing visuals. I think you need to work on your storytelling, buddy. But I will tell you, from base of this trailer. I think he might have taken what the nerds were saying. I think he listened to the battle cry of what Batman and Superman had because this showed a lot lighter, funnier Mm -hmm. tone. Mm -hmm. You know, even Batman was joking in this. You know, and trying to put the team together and, you know, and it also kind of shows Bruce's intelligence because he talks about, you know, the King's Wave. The, the king's tidal wave coming in and he's talking about oh, coming oh, into oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, small yeah. port right 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 and he knew arthur was there he knew he was there arthur uh, for those of you listening this is referring to aquaman yes uh and also known as arthur curry also known as arthur curry what chris is talking about is in the the justice league trailer if you haven't seen it bruce wayne is basically looking for aquaman he's gone to this fishing village and he's talking about the king's wave or king's tide yeah which is something that that, that happens uh in this village and uh there's a stranger who shows up that brings food food to everyone in during the, the winter yeah yeah and you know and he kind of looks at him and momoa does his his raspy talk you notice he kind of did a batman he's like Go ahead and talk, you know, and it's, it looks really cool. Jason Momoa uh, of Game of Thrones. Yes. And Khal Drago, who will be playing Also Conan. Aquaman. Also Conan. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the scenes with Flash? Um, I... Th- the problem is with me is we've already had a character like this. He reminds me of the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Okay. I get this. I could I could see that comparison. You know, this young little nerd, and but I love the abilities. You know, I love you know his. The only thing is, is his suit's already out. But when he shows up, Bruce Wayne's sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. and he goes, "I'm Bruce Wayne," and he goes, "Yep," yeah, and that's going to explain why you're sitting in my second favorite chair. But he already knows he has powers. He knows about it. But for me, Batman he, knows. Batman that. knows the Flash, but. Like I said, it kind of reminds me of Tom Holland, you know, because he's this kid who's the, a nerd. I could see, I could see the scene, uh, you, it being similar to the scene in Civil War between uh, Iron Man and uh, and Spider Man. I, yes. I could, I could see that. Um, I, yeah, I, I like the new tone that they're setting yeah. in this. Uh, I, uh, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the scene with Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot, yeah, where they're. They're talking about him trying to recruit Aquaman. Aquaman, and she's she's like, "Well, was he was he in?" He goes, "More or less, more and, more or more or less, uh, more or less." He said no. He, he said, said no. he said no. Yeah, I mean that that's funny. I I, I like that. Um, <laughs> I I am I am. This has made me cautiously optimistic. I am probably going to check out the Rotten Tomatoes review before I go see Justice League. Let me tell you, you know, because I'm definitely going to go. And the thing is, for me. Are we going to get mullet Superman? Oh, oh yeah. Are we going to see Super... Oh, I think we are. I we, think... They've already announced it because during... Uh, Henry Cavill's going to be in, uh, in Justice during, League. During... San... Well, they've already shown the image with him there. And then also at the Comic-Con panel, they called him out and he was out there with the group. So, you know, they're like, well, he's dead like that. And then everyone's kind of winking. Yeah, right. 
But, so mullet Superman, just for those of you that aren't aware. So in the 1990s, we, we've talked previously about the death of Superman uh, storyline. Superman dies. He's killed by the monster Doomsday. And then he comes back. Uh, after fighting multiple creations of himself. Yeah. Uh, with a mullet. Yes. So uh, in the DC universe, when this you, is Rebirth Superman, this is re, this is Rebirth Superman. This is this is Beardo. It's Beardo. Superman. That's right. Uh, Pre fifty two Superman. So, but so in the DC universe, when you die, uh, you come back with a new suit with longer hair. That's well, you have to. <laughs> so, but all in all, I think we are looking forward. Uh, we have a lot of movies coming up that are that are just going to be fantastic. All right, guys. Well, uh, before we finish out today's show, uh, we're gonna do a toy box. And I'm happy to say that we got another Chris's Loot Crate. What's in Chris's Loot Crate? What's in Chris's Loot Crate? What's in Chris's Loot Crate? I hope it isn't crap. All right. right. What's in the Loot Crate? So Loot Crate uh, this month was futuristic. All right. Okay. So obviously everything um, Star Trek. They said Star Trek, uh, Futurama, you know, think think that type. okay? Okay. So, of course, that is everything. You get a t-shirt. T-shirt to start. Have you ever seen the show Rick and Morty? I've heard of it. I've heard it's it's like uh, kind of like Doc and Marty it's from, from Back to the Future. Yeah, so they, they've given me a, a Rick and Morty t-shirt. Um, it looks like part of their lab. You're going to have to explain that to me, It's It's basically the board of the lab, you know. Oh, it shows all, right. all the different inventions and, and what they do, okay? Would you recommend that show, Rick and Morty? Um, I've seen a couple episodes. It's not terrible. Okay. It's not terrible. So, uh, as always, we get a pin. And I think you are absolutely going to love ah. this pin. It is the Vulcan symbol for live long and prosper. It's literally the hand, but it also has the gold disc around it like for it does from Star Trek. That's awesome. Um, another thing too, I don't know what's your take on, there's Valiant comic books. They give you an issue. It's 4001 AD. I'm not familiar um, with this. Neither am I. I have not even had a chance to even take it out of the packaging, but from what I've heard from friends, it's, you know, a good futuristic tale if you're interested. Doesn't suck. That, uh, they've been told it isn't not, terrible. Not horrible. Isn't terrible. A we get ourselves <gasps> a little Mega Man, uh, and this is literally licensed from uh, Capcom. It's a kid robot, the kid uh, robot, robot figures, and this is just a, a red Mega Man, uh, Japanese-inspired figure. He's, he's so got, cute. He's got the little eyes and all of that. Uh, they also entail. It says Star Trek: The Next Generation. Cool. Okay. It is. What's in the bag, man? What's in the bag? The placard <gasps> shield from the USS Enterprise. Make it so. And it literally gives the type class. It gives everything about the ship. Uh, that would be put on the side of the ship to give all of its... You know, it'd be like as you walk into the entranceway, every ship has this mantle plate. Did you notice that under Starfleet Command, whose name is on there? Oh, yeah. Admiral Gene, Gene Roddenberry. Roddenberry. Yeah. <laughs> now... The last and final thing. It's absolutely one of my favorites. This is from QM Figures. Okay. I'm going to take it out of the box. I'm going to set it up first. I want I want you to see it. All right. So um, it is probably one of the coolest things that I have gotten out. This is almost better than the Thanos oven. All right. So, and I know. I mean, the one that burns your hand when you. Yeah, just don't don't use that. Don't use the. Don't Don't, use the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, all right. This is 
oh, a the tension is, is replica. Terrible. Sorry, it takes me a second to put together. A replica <gasps> of the Planet Express ship oh, from Futurama. Oh, that's it. And what's cool is it's magnetized. Oh, that's the cool. Base. That is cool. Isn't that cool? So we got a little spaceship from Futurama, the the Planet Express spaceship. That is cool. That is awesome. It even has the logo on the stand. I mean, it's it. Listen, this is reliable. You know. And didn't you get a little bender? Figure. I did. You have a little... I, I, I had them on there at home. So, so. that little bender figure is yeah. going to go with that. Yeah. That is awesome. Yep. So that is fantastic. I, I think this month was pretty good. Uh, like I said, sometimes they pay attention to detail. We are like, wow, holy crap, I really needed that. You know, like my, my RoboCop shirt, you know, sometimes some hit or miss just depending on where it is. But for me, like I said, this this placard here and then the the Futurama ship was just by far one of the coolest things. The, this done. is what made it for you. I'm, no, it really did. That was my money's worth right there. Awesome. So awesome. Yep. All, All right, right, guys. So loot crate. You get um, how many? How, how often do you get this, and how much do you pay? It's once a month, and a monthly subscription. I normally get it's about twenty six bucks. Okay. All right. That's interesting. And you get some one of a kind. Things. Oh yeah, that's, absolutely. That's really and, cool. You know, inside the box they had a whole setup so that you can your you know futuristic whatever cool yep i like that all right all right gang well unfortunately that is all the time that we have for this episode of the justice nerds podcast broadcasting covertly from ming the merciless don't tell him that we said death to me dude cut that out um we hope that you'll send us messages at justice nerds pc at gmail.com, at Facebook, at YouTube, and at SoundCloud. We thank you so much for listening. On behalf of myself, Jay, and my stalwart companion, Chris, we hope you will join us here next Monday and every Monday as we talk about comics, movies, and all things in between. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.